0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. One of the dimensions that you haven't been hearing about in the mainstream media coverage with regards to the London Bridge terror attack is that that attack coincided with two important religious events. Now, one of those, it happened on the eve of the Christian celebration of the Day of Pentecost. You might have been uh, in church on Sunday and uh, people in your church celebrating the Day of Pentecost and got home to the coverage of what was going on in the London Bridge terror attack. Secondly, it happened during the Muslim holy month of Ramadan, which is renowned for increased attacks on Christians. Now, the three terrorists who were all shot dead by police are understood to be Islamist, with witnesses saying they heard one of them shout, this is for Allah, as he stabbed one victim. Now, religious leaders in London have been shocked by both the violence and, secondarily, the timing of the event. The Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, tweeted, Again, we grieve with wounded and bereaved as they face pain and struggle. Today we pray, come Holy Spirit, spirit of peace and of healing. Later the Archbishop, who was preaching at a Pentecost service in Kent, about 40 miles east of London, warned that the UK could end up hiding behind closed doors and urged Christians not to be afraid. He was referring to the disciples, of course, hiding behind closed doors at the time of Pentecost. Well, opening our conversation today about defending the religious freedom of Christians around the world. Most often we think of Christian mission as caring for or bringing the good news of the gospel to people in developing nations. But what about the significant levels of advocacy that are necessary to reform international laws that sometimes govern countries responsible for persecuting Christians and other minorities, even to the point in some cases where there are dreadful atrocities like genocide. Well, our guest today, Vicky Salkin, is a multilingual international lawyer who's advocacy and development manager for a mission organisation, which is like a a combined mission organisation. It's called Middle East Concern. Vicky joined Middle East Concern back in 2013, a coalition of agencies and individuals which supports Christians in the Middle East and North Africa primarily where they're facing persecution. And she's primarily responsible for developing advocacy networks in Europe and Oceania and Spanish-speaking America. And Vicky is joining us to get into our conversation today. As I say, we have our talkback lines open for you to contribute, but a special welcome to you, Vicky Salkin. Hello. Hello, Vicky. You Hello. are, uh, this at this moment you're in Queensland. Uh, you've been speaking around Australia these last couple of weeks. Uh, in fact, we were going to talk to you a couple of weeks ago, but you'd lost your voice. Uh, I'm glad <laughs> to hear you've well. recovered.
1: Thank you very much, Neil. I'm glad
0: too. <laughs> you were in Perth, and where else were you speaking?
1: Uh, also in Adelaide. So uh, in Perth and Adelaide, I had some very... Good meetings uh, with groups who are very interested in supporting persecuted Christians, uh, and I was speaking to them, of course, about uh, particularly about persecuted Christians in the Middle East and North Africa.
0: Uh, these days you live in the uk you were born in melbourne you're an aussie girl uh, you travel a lot it's almost like uh you're not sure exactly where uh, home is because you travel so much tell us about some of your travels around the world and the sorts of people you talk to in your role as advocacy and development manager with middle east concern
1: certainly so uh, because i speak French and Spanish. I've basically been allocated countries uh, where that is the native language. So I travel in um, in Europe. In uh, I go to Brussels, France, and Spain. Uh, this uh, just to give you a flavour of uh, some of the work. Um, in January, late January, mm. early February, I was in Brussels. Uh, I had very, very good support from my uh, home church in in London, and uh, in the UK, and they were praying for me. And I had an extraordinary, uh, approximately 30 meetings with politicians and uh, government officials in in Brussels, there was a a very heightened amount of interest because of the persecution um, of Christians generally in the Middle East, North Africa, but there was a, a Czech missionary who was uh, detained at that time in Sudan. Uh, but, but that that's, that's actually quite typical. It was one uh, out of the box, but um, that that's a typical pattern of politicians being very interested in our work. The last year I went to uh, Argentina and Uruguay, so I cover Spanish-speaking Latin America. In Uruguay, there was an amazing amount of interest. It was my first time there and the politicians there were very, very willing to join with us. Uh, it's a more, more of a secular country, which I discovered uh, uh, in, in the context of Latin America. It's, uh, it's a bit different. Uh, but, uh, yeah, very, very pleased with my visit there. Uh, I'll be going back to Latin America, to Colombia um, in August. And, of course, Australia and New Zealand, uh, Probably my
0: favourite place to visit, of course. Good. Well, we know we are talking genuinely today, international perspectives when it comes to persecuted Christians. Now, if we're talking the context of Islam as most terror attacks appear to be, give us a little bit of an idea in your understanding just how serious Persecution of Christians is becoming around the world, Vicky, because uh, we know that uh, there is persecution within Islam, this battle that goes on between Sunni and Shia Muslims. But Christians find ourselves in the middle of attacks, and, and we'll reflect on some of those, but uh, what is what is the extent of uh, Christian persecution that's happening North Africa, Middle East, and other perspectives that you've gleaned from around the world?
1: Mm. Yes, um, there is research um, to say that Christians are the most persecuted um, religious group in, in the world. Um, however, our focus in Middle East concern is on the Middle East and North Africa. So we uh, are aware that persecution is increasing. Uh, the, I, I guess what is happening at the same time is that it's a bit of a chicken and egg maybe, but uh, Muslims are turning to Christ. Uh, in our part of the world, uh, around the world. But in particular, uh, in Iran, for example, uh, there, Iran has the fastest-growing evangelical church in the world, which is a very exciting thing, and there, there are very solid statistics on that. Uh, they say there are hundreds of thousands now of uh, believers in Iran, um, uh, possibly around a million. The, the figures can't be uh, verified because um, of the... Um, confidentiality involved. However, of course, the flip side of that is severe persecution of Christians once they convert. And our experience is that those who suffer the most severe persecution are those who convert from Iran um, Islam to uh, Christianity. So that that's that's our work. Uh, they suffer persecution from uh, the family. Uh, just today, I've been reading about um, uh, people who have been attacked by, say, their brother or uh, it can be their father, it can be any family member actually they they may then need to flee so so yeah when um, we 're very thankful of course that uh, people are turning to Christ, but we need to be really on the on the alert to to help them in their time of suffering once they do suffer the inevitable backlash
0: we 'll talk some more about what 's happening in Iran and of course the persecution that comes. Uh, when someone converts from one religion to another and of course uh, when you're talking about the growth of the church people converting from islam and becoming christian but let me take you back to uh, what's been happening in uh, in london and uh, in our introduction i was talking about uh, the tweet that came from the uh, the archbishop of canterbury and the coincidence that some might say that the attack in london happened on the eve of pentecost uh, do you have some reflection on on the timing and uh, and the idea that uh, that is a, a holy day in the christian church the day of pentecost and of course the holy month of ramadan where there is uh, in tends to be increased attacks against christians uh, your thoughts vicky on what's happened in london
1: yes well of course uh, really tragic and um i've i've been around that area so it's all the more poignant and probably many of our listeners have and So we we know the area well. Uh, In fact, my ancestors uh, came from that part of uh, London, East London, um, uh, a couple of centuries ago. They were Baptists in London. So, yeah, very, very sad. Um, Timing. I I have been reflecting on that. I hadn't actually to tell the honest truth sort of the timing of Pentecost. Um, my thought on timing was more in line with the general election coming up in the UK. Uh, that's a, a sensitive issue. But um, you know, to tell the truth, I, I'm wondering if Muslims are, are actually aware of the details of our calendar, apart from the obvious uh, high dates of Christmas and Easter. Pentecost often isn't that huge a day. It's not a, a holiday in France. It is a holiday, but not in England. So I don't know. I'll have to reserve judgment on that. But the timing in terms of Ramadan is certainly is, is critical, I think. And um, there was an attack on a bus in uh, in Egypt last just last week, which killed 30 people at least. Uh, more people are possibly dying. Uh, some were very critically injured. Uh, that was said to be a so-called and very much in quotes a Ramadan blessing. So that um ramadan is a time of heightened uh tension heightened uh violence we we have to say so i i would put it down to that more than anything
0: just to encourage listeners we're taking calls you can be a part of our conversation you might have a question you might have a comment you might have an insight you might have your own thoughts on at uh, timings and uh, the connections there uh, between religion, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen is our number. Our talkback line is open. Vicky Salkin is our guest, international lawyer and advocacy and development manager for Middle East Concern. We are talking about persecuted Christians. Uh, you mentioned, Vicky, the persecution of Christians in the nation of Egypt. Now, this is one of those areas, North Africa, a dreadful, dreadful attack, uh, as uh, as I recall. Uh, an, an attack that uh, that ISIS claimed responsibility for uh, a a whole lot of Christians on on board a bus going off to a religious service. Uh, I mean, it's it's heartrending uh, to to think mm-hmm. that this would have happened. Uh, but this is one of those issues that that is so significant uh, when it comes to highlighting the fact that Christians are under a really intense persecution in North Africa.
1: Yes, definitely. Egypt has really suffered a series of very serious blows. Uh, You may remember an attack on a church uh, last year, late last year. Uh, Also uh, an attack earlier this year on two churches on Palm Sunday, which killed 47 people. Uh, Very, very tragic. Also uh, attacks, a series of attacks in Sinai, which has caused most uh, Christians actually to leave the Sinai area now. And then this uh, attack on the bus, um, innocent perfectly innocent civilians uh, Coptic Christians going to a monastery when that ha- happened, um, of course, we are very concerned about Egypt at the time that that happened. I was just about to speak at an a o g uh, Arabic church uh, in perth we, um, The news had just come in we were uh, of course in grief and so we prayed uh, but then the pastor got up and, and gave a sermon which i thought was very very appropriate and he in, in effect um, acknowledged that jesus said there would be persecution so we do need to turn to scripture because scripture gives us hope it also uh, tells us not to be surprised when persecution comes these attacks are definitely against christians there's no no doubt uh, at all but uh, Jesus said in uh, John uh, 15 and 16, uh, 15, 18, he says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me first. Uh, it hated me before it hated you. So in other words, um, uh, Jesus is being attacked actually. And then John 16:2, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think that he's offering service to God. But very clear, we, we can't... Uh, be in doubt. Jesus did not leave us in doubt at all that there would be persecution of Christians and actually Egyptian Christians are very aware of this and you probably remember the beheading uh, in um, February 2015 of uh, 20 Coptic Christians. There were 21 who who were actually killed. One was a Ghanaian. They were killed in Libya on the beach, uh, February 2015. The Egyptian Bible Society put out a tract which is very very uh, meaningful and it's called two lines if you want to look at it on the internet basically quote scripture quotes Matthew 10 which says do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but after that uh, can't do anything rather fear him who uh, has power to throw both your body and uh, and soul into hell so really we, we needn't be surprised at what's happened ha- happening but we need to take uh, strength from scripture and also from Jesus' promises that he will return and that uh, we can trust him in times of trial.
0: We are taking calls on one 316 316 talking about persecution of Christian believers and from an international law perspective, let's take a call from Liz in Jacobswell in Queensland. Hello, Liz. Welcome along. Hi. Liz, what are your thoughts Hi. on our conversation today?
2: Well, what prompted me to ring? But before I even say that, I'd just like to say thank you to the lady whose name I've missed, actually, Vicky, uh, for the wonderful work she's doing. Because I'm thrilled somebody is supporting Muslims to become who who make the effort and who go through the persecution to become Christian, because it's a huge leap. Vicky, so,
0: yep. uh, Vicky, yeah. your response uh, to uh, to Liz.
1: Well, thank you very much, Liz, for your encouragement. It's actually a privilege to be involved in this. And actually, in the last um, couple of weeks since I've been uh, in Perth and Adelaide, during my time there, I had the enormous privilege of meeting people who have indeed taken that leap uh, to go from uh, being Muslim to Christian. And it is very difficult for them. In fact, the ones I spoke to have become refugees because their life was at risk um, that's not always the case, but uh, they, they suffer. Uh, they do suffer enormously in ways that we wouldn't understand. Uh, for example, they, mm. they do get rejected by their families, which is a huge uh, tear for them because the family is, is such a close entity in, in the Middle East and North Africa. Um, and so even, even rejection uh, can, can really uh, tear, tear their lives apart. But those who suffer uh, a you know, uh, threat to their lives Certainly, that's that's a very major thing, and and we're we're very privileged to be able to help them.
2: I understand all that. Everything in the Bible comforts them in that as much as Mm. it comforts us, if not more so. Um, The reason I rang is because it's this is the thought that prompted me to actually pick up the phone. Besides wanting the caller to speak about what we're talking about instead of something else, although I love Ron, love him to pieces. I wanted to say that it's not just that Jesus is coming back, but that Christ offers us the best life, a life of being loved, absolutely loved, from the minute we walk into His affections. You know, the minute we accept Him and take Him on as our, our abba daddy. And uh, for a Muslim, that that um, must be enticing when they think about it. But the fear involved in in accepting that is huge. And if you think about the media today at the moment you know it 's terrifying if you think about Muslims and you think about their um, their religious festivals um, it, that's where there's an increase in violence and unrest. if you think about our festivals, what our biggest uh, tradition is it's Christmas and we give each other presents and we tell each other we love each other it's just this huge divide in in the philosophies of the two religions, and I'm sure that those those people that God is leading at home to him. Uh, I just think we should be welcoming them with open, open arms and giving them all the comfort and all the help we can. Although it is a, it is a Australia has some of the best uh, defensive laws in the world to try and stop us from being overrun. And I, I, I put that right down to the, us being the great southern land of the Holy Spirit. God
3: protects us.
0: Liz, some good thoughts in that, and there's so many things we can draw out. Uh, let me just take uh, uh, you back, uh, Vicky, uh, to those thoughts that Liz is sharing about the contrast uh, between Christianity being the best and most wonderful place to be culturally uh, and uh, and religiously uh, compared to. Uh, what Islam has on offer, because uh, as you were saying, uh, just uh, like Iran is part of that example, so many are coming to Christ and finding freedom and liberty in Christ, and they are noticing that there is a huge contrast. Is this part of uh, what happens with, A, people coming to Christ, and B, the, the backlash that says, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll stamp you out, we'll, uh, we'll persecute you because of what's happening?
1: Yes, indeed. Um, it, it, it's a very uh, accurate picture of the difference. Um, in Australia, I think we can be very thankful uh, of the peace that we have, the justice, the freedom, which does come from our, our Christian heritage and from laws that, that were essentially based on the Bible, although a lot of that's being whistled away. But we do still have the core of it. And then we turn to the Muslim, well, the the countries that we're talking about, and, and there are um, there, there can be serious violence. What I, it took me back to actually was thinking um, of a, a conversation in a home group that I had in my travels in Australia just in the last couple of weeks, where one of these people I, I mentioned who has turned from Islam, he he was a, a Muslim, he has become a Christian. And he speaks very eloquently and very powerfully of the difference that he has experienced between Jesus and Muhammad. In effect he, he talks about uh, the love of Jesus and he, just a in a completely different category. And and so and then of course the Bible and as opposed to the Quran. So um believers who come from this background, who are steeped in um in Islam, they do know the difference when they come to it that they do suffer however because Christians are generally um tainted Uh, in this part
0: of the world as vicky uh, i'm going to have to cut in because we're about to go to news continuing our conversation after the news thank you to liz from jacobs well talk back line 1 800 316 316 talking with vicky salkin international lawyer Mm. with middle east concern Uh, vicky before we move on to some more of the issues about what you might do in advocacy let's take another call Uh, robin is in mount morgan hello robin welcome along Hello, hello, uh, Robin. What are your uh, thoughts on our conversation today?
2: Yes, it's um more questions because i um I'm, I was waiting to hear more of what Vicky does, but um I, I wouldn't mind going to one of her um talks is Is there one somewhere near Rockhampton or or maybe somewhere in Queensland?
0: Uh, okay, what's your schedule, Vicky? have you got a, a plan uh, talking uh, through up up, up, through up, through up north into the state of Queensland?
1: Oh thank you very much um for your interest. Um Robin yeah because this is my first time in Brisbane so uh actually on this on an advocacy visit we it's proving to be a bit tough actually to to arrange talks. We know that there are many people interested in this issue around the state but organizing meetings has has proved to be um not successful so far we 're just doing it right now i 've just arrived in brisbane um, i 've been trying actually for months to get uh, to get meetings together, but it, this it, as it turns out, this particular first visit this often happens so it 's not a surprise. It might be a matter of setting things up for later, maybe next year or, or the year after. so i'm sorry i can 't uh, promise anything this time. Um, I am meeting with politicians I'm meeting with um, representatives of uh, persecuted church agencies. Uh, refugee agencies, but we we just, um, yeah, we haven't got any particular meetings that I can point you to yet. Uh,
0: let me just say there is a website for Middle East Concern. It's okay. meconcern.org. That's meconcern.org, and that's where you'll be able to uh, make contact with Vicky Salkin. Uh, okay. Robin from Mount Morgan still got you on the phone. You mentioned uh, you were interested also in what an advocate does Is that what you were saying, Robin?
2: Well, I I definitely, because I I think that may be something I wouldn't mind um, getting involved in.
0: Okay, Vicky, uh, give us a quick job description. Uh, In fact, give us your best shot. Why ought we all ought to uh, be uh, supporting either someone like you or getting involved in becoming an advocate ourselves when it comes to persecuted Christians?
1: Yes, well, um, there's quite a number of um, tracks I could pursue here because... Essentially, my work is uh, to develop support networks uh, for uh, persecuted Christians, specifically in the Middle East and North Africa. And um, I do that uh, in my role as uh, what we call an advocacy uh, and development manager. So advocating for persecuted Christians by speaking to politicians and government officials. So we ask them to join with us in uh, essentially, uh, to put it quite bluntly, putting... uh, pressure on governments in the Middle East uh, and North Africa when they are perpetrating abuses so so that's a matter of providing them with the information and then uh, sort of uh, taking them through the the process and and I must say there are many uh, sincere and dedicated politicians in parliaments around the world who I have met who are very willing to be involved in this work on all sides of politics I must say because it really is a human rights issue so the work is is very rewarding to work with people who want to help. So that, that's politicians and um, government people. We're not all in that category, but there are there are definitely things that ordinary Christians can do. And I would even put that into the category of advocacy. One of of course one of the most important things we could do can do is to pray. And I would say to Robin that uh, even if you can't uh, hear me talk this time, and I, I really do hope to do some more talking in in. Um, Queensland in the future but you can go to our website and there is uh, an opportunity to sign up for our prayer request it's on the front page and it's under the heading I think it's called subscribe and you just click that button and then you can subscribe to our prayer request Uh, even when you go to that front page there are already some prayer requests that you can see so I my view is that the work of prayer is advocacy in a, in a very strong way anyway because we are presenting our petitions to, of course, the great advocate to Jesus, our high priest um, and the Holy Spirit also is our advocate. So we are presenting that uh, to God and, and things can change. Uh, but so, so I think it, it all works uh, on, on different levels. We're supporting Christians by saying we pray and then uh, God will be moving the hand of politicians and governments to actually to work uh, in favour of human rights.
0: Robin from Mount Morgan, thanks so much for your call. Our talkback line remains open on 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation today, our special guest is Vicky Salkin, international lawyer. And uh, one of those things that uh, that gives you an extra opportunity in the places that you're responsible for, Vicky, when it comes to your advocacy, is that you do speak lots of different languages, and we're talking English, uh, French, and Spanish, and there's a little bit of Arabic in there too. Uh, it's very helpful to be able to speak lots of languages when you're doing what you do, Vicky.
1: Yes, well. I truly do think, uh, it's a gift, uh, from God. I started learning, uh, French at high school in Melbourne, uh, when, um, I started high school and actually it was compulsory for us. I, I actually had no choice but to learn French. So that, that was interesting. And then later on, um, God did actually call me to learn Spanish. So that's, uh, a language I picked up as an adult. It's, it's not that, uh, so it's not as smooth as, as French because of course the brain <laughs> changes I think as we get older. But I do speak the languages and actually the Spanish speaking people when I do go to Spain uh and Latin America they are very very willing to engage even if your language isn't perfect. In fact I spoke by the grace of God I must say uh this year I, I spoke to a group a human rights group in the Spanish Senate and they were very very keen uh to hear um in in my spanish which i think god actually does add a bit when i talk because in my natural self i probably don't speak perfectly
0: people are probably having a good laugh and saying uh, who is this woman coming and speaking spanish with an aussie accent uh, i'm sure that i'm sure that comes through um let me let's move on to some important uh, issues to deal with as an advocate as a uh, an international lawyer Uh, There are some documents. One of those is called the Universal Declaration on Human Rights. It has things to say about religious freedom. Uh, Another document that is the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, uh, the only internationally judicially binding text uh, that deals with freedom of religion and the right to choose a religion. When you're talking to politicians in all of these different settings that you do and people who are influential, authority figures, uh, how important is it uh, to reinforce some of those things that are already there as as documents that talk about uh, international uh, religious freedoms?
1: Yes. Thanks, Neil. It's absolutely uh, vital. I couldn't, I cannot say... Uh, too much just how important those documents are uh, because they are internationally recognised. Uh, first of all the Universal Declaration on Human Rights in 1948 just after the war established uh, in, nine, in Article 18 a right to freedom of religion uh, and, and belief uh, including the right and very specifically including the right to change uh, your religion. The International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights came in the 1960s. Now, it's not quite true to say it's binding. Uh, in one sense it is, but in, in one sense it's, it's only an agreement for those who actually choose to sign. So the uh, ISIS, what we call the ICCPR, which also has the right to freedom of religion in it, also in Article 18, interestingly, it, it's, only, it, it's signed by those who, states which choose. In the Middle East and North Africa, most states actually have uh, signed up to it. Um, However, even if it's not binding on them, it's very persuasive and and there has been a lot lot of work done on the right to freedom of religion, including the right to change a religion. And there's an interpretation by many international lawyers which would say that the right to change a religion actually is what we call customary international law. So it is actually binding on all states, every single state in the world, whether they've signed the document or not.
0: Vicky, is it fair enough to say, though, that even though there might be nations that sign up to, uh, say, a Universal Declaration on Human Rights or an International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, that even though a nation might sign up to that, uh, there is this idea of apostasy that exists within the religion of Islam, uh, which really puts the power in the hands of the religious leaders and of people who will almost, with a vigilante uh, level of of fervor, go about uh, enforcing those apostasy issues. Is is that the way it sort of becomes very risky for Christians, even though there are laws that outlaw the, the idea that you you know you can't stop people changing their religion?
1: Yes, uh, you've really hit the nail on the head, actually, Neil, because what is actually happening um, in certainly our, our part of the world is that, um, which I mean uh, the Middle East, is that yeah, countries sign up to these these laws, uh, these uh, documents. Uh, as I say, most majority have signed up to the International Covenant However, uh, they at least uh, three of them have made statements to the effect that the right to freedom of religion is subject to Sharia law, which means that it is subject to things like the apostasy law in Islam. Um, and just for the sake of the listeners, uh, many of them might know anyway, but um, apostasy is essentially turning from Islam. And in Islamic law, uh, it is... Um, universally subject uh, to the death penalty for those who, well, very, again, you have to be specific for adult males who've had an opportunity, sane adult males actually, who've had an opportunity to recant. Now, so what does happen is that there's an awareness, um, even if states haven't made some sort of reservation about Shari law, they, their mentality is such, their mindset is such that Sharia law is overriding uh, overriding everything else because either they are islamic republics they, they might be self uh, stated self declared Islamic republics like mauritania uh, or, or um, Islam is the religion of the state, and very very often Sharia law is the religion that applies in these countries so apostasy by its very nature hangs over the head of every single person in the Middle East and north africa if if they convert from Islam to Christianity, they know and they're, they're reminded often that they can be uh, subject to the death penalty, regardless of the international documents that, that have been signed up to, actually.
0: And a, a very serious uh, reminder, Vicky, that when we pray for persecuted believers, uh, oftentimes we might be praying. Uh, Lords, let the state laws protect those ones but uh, but there is no guarantee of protection under state law when someone converts from Islam to christianity uh, they uh, They really have a target on their head don't they uh, oh yeah, and that's why okay. that's why prayer for the persecuted church is so so necessary
1: mm. that's right. We had an example in this part of the world uh and i can't name it for for obvious security yeah. reasons where our pastors were warned that within a certain number of days uh, or weeks they were going to be targeted uh, for attack. Uh, we, Middle East Concern, put out a very urgent uh, prayer request for that. We had people praying. The attacks didn't happen, and I truly believe that in the heavenly realms the Lord did intervene. So, so we can see miraculous things happening.
0: So the power of prayer uh, even results in miraculously protecting Christian believers when those uh, atrocities are not committed against them. It's an important aspect to remember. Let's take another call. Uh, I think it's Amin who is in Brisbane. Hello, is it Amin? Yes. Amin, what are your thoughts?
3: All right. So um, actually, I say hello to everyone. Uh, I was listening to the radio and uh, I heard that Wiki. Uh, was uh, explaining about uh, her experiences with uh, um, the people that she met, uh, that they converted from Islam to Christianity.
0: Yep. What Uh, are your thoughts on
3: that? Actually, I'm one of them. Uh, Oh. And, uh, yeah, and uh, I converted from Islam to Christianity 14 years ago, uh, and I come from Iran. Wow. And, yes, so... Um, I just wanted to, um, you know, um, say that uh, this is right, what Vicky says uh, about um, Christianity, the difference between Christianity and Islam. Uh, I had an amazing encounter with Jesus 14 years ago. I came to Christ through a dream back in Iran Mm -hmm. in a country that if you uh, hold your, the Bible in your hand and the religious police catch you on the street and they will put you in prison and they will um, even kill you in the very first day. Mm. But what? I had a dream uh, from Jesus Christ, uh, you know, with a long white hair and a long uh, white beard. And he uh, actually uh, spoke to uh, me and uh, my mom and my sister So my mom and my sister were in the dream as well. And uh, he introduced himself to us. And uh, after that dream, uh, the day after, a person came to our house and he brought a New Testament Bible. And, uh, you know, in the country that you cannot find a Bible in the uh, bookstores. And um, he said that, I want to talk to you about Jesus Christ. He's not only a prophet that we've been wrongly uh, told, uh Jesus is the son of God and God himself if you come to believe in him your sins gonna be forgiven and uh, uh, so uh, you know from that day uh, long story short we started to dig the Bible and just read you know um, uh, the Bible and just pray to God and uh, and uh, we read the Quran again and then we found Jesus is the true God So anyway, I lost my job in Iran because I was a petroleum engineer and I had to flee from Iran and I flee to Australia. I came to Australia with my wife four years ago and um, I studied in the Bible college and now I'm I'm the pastor of the Persian church in Brisbane. Uh Um, So God is working through this ministry, praise God, and the Quran teachers are coming to Christ, the people who were refugees, the people who came from, you know, with the education visa and with uh, other visas, they find the truth in Jesus Christ. And I just wanted to call and encourage the people who are listening to my voice. Um, I don't know that they are, if they are Christian or not, if, if they do believe in Jesus or not. I just uh, invite them to read the Bible and just pray to, to God and ask the truth. Because seven days before I had an encounter with Jesus 14 years ago, I was praying as a Muslim. I was praying you know, and bowing my, my, my knees and putting my head, my forehead on the ground. And all of a sudden, I uh, rec- uh, recognized that I am praying in a language that I don't understand because I am Persian and I speak in Persian. And I all of a sudden, I, I said to God, God, why you are asking and you want me to pray to you and speak to you in a language that I don't know? How come? You, you are the God, you know you created me, you, uh, you know, and you know what is my language. But why you are asking me to pray in Arabic to you, which I don't understand? And I stopped praying as a Muslim, and I prayed to him, and I said, if you are alive, if you are the uh, 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 God, I want you to show yourself to me. And I prayed to um, the, the real God, all right? But I was praying to Allah before, and... Seven days after that, I had that that encounter with Jesus, and I'm just encouraging people, just speak to him. It doesn't matter if you're atheist, if you're agnostic, or you're, you know, Muslim, you're um, Jewish, or Buddhist, or Hindu, it doesn't matter. Just call him. Tell him, he's the the alive God.
0: I mean, I'm in awe of your story. Uh, yeah. You mentioned that you are leading a Christian church in Brisbane. Yeah. Uh, is yeah. there a way that people can be in touch with you if they are in Southeast Queensland and want to link with you? Is there a way to con- to connect with you?
3: Yes, yes.
0: Uh, are you able to let us know, or should we uh, we should uh, become uh, we should take some notes? What I'll do is I'll put you on hold. Yeah. And I'll have John take down your details. No uh, and uh, if there are people who want to connect with you in Brisbane, and there might be an issue of security issues there, so we'll we'll uh, we'll pass on your detail to uh, no anyone way. who might be making the inquiry. But I mean, uh, I am in awe of your story, and uh, you do affirm what is so important that we're talking about today. And I want to thank you so much for being part of our conversation today on 2020. We are running very short of time, but a quick response from Vicky. I mean, I imagine uh, you're thrilled to hear a story like Amin's.
1: Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, we praise God um, just profoundly for for you and for your testimony and above all for sticking with Jesus because it is not easy. It, it mustn't have been easy at all in Iran to uh, to to stay faithful to Jesus, but you did. And, and we praise God also that you've come here and that you're continuing uh, to work for him and that you haven't fallen away. We we just uh, pray God's great encouragement for you. It's, it's a privilege to hear from you. And indeed, as Neil said, it's, it's thrilling to hear.
0: Thank you to our men in Brisbane. And we are running out of time here, Vicky, and just a couple of minutes remaining. Uh, I want to be able to talk to uh, you about Middle East Concern. Uh, it is a a group of... Of uh, agencies that work with regards to uh, persecution of believers, uh, what will happen if people go to your website, M E Concern? That stands for Middle East Concern. So M E Concern. Uh, what sort of details? What sort of resources are there? How can people link with you? Uh, what's the What's the value of making contact today?
1: Yes. So uh, people will become more informed, and I I believe that the more knowledge and understanding we have. Uh, the more we can actually help our persecuted brothers and sisters. Uh, So uh, there is, uh, on the front page, there are are prayer requests. Uh, For example, in fact, the the very latest prayer request we have is from uh, brothers in Iran who are suffering a a fiery trial at the moment. Some are in prison, some are subject to court proceedings. So we have a, a prayer request there. But for people to actually get involved, they can uh, go and subscribe to our uh, prayer requests, which come out. They can either go straight to the website or we, they can come straight into your inbox as well uh, through the subscribe button on, on uh, the website. So that's a very practical way for us as individual Christians to be involved. Prayer is so vital.
0: And Vicky, you did say that you're setting up some opportunities, you're connecting with people so that uh, on a visit perhaps next year, uh, you might be visiting other locations. Uh, you did mention, and uh, as one of our callers said, uh, are you speaking in near Rockhampton? And you said, well, not this year, but uh, but I'm sure that there'll be a connection point there for perhaps an opportunity to speak next year. I imagine you'd like to hear from people all over Australia uh, about setting up some opportunities. Is that, uh, is that the ideal for you?
1: Oh, yes, definitely. I Someone actually said to me in Adelaide this time that it would be very good to go to country Australia... That That might be uh, another possibility normally I go to uh, capital cities, so I've just been in Perth Adelaide now brisbane I'll be going to Melbourne and then Sydney next year. I try to actually divide between the eastern and western states on alternate years because Australia, as you would be very aware is a very is a big country uh, but yeah um it, it's a matter of being uh, connected because we we often don't we don't advertise our our meetings. Very much. If you're in a prayer group, often you'll hear about them. Uh, we, we, uh, yeah, we set up meetings as, 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 uh, according to the contacts that we have, basically. Yeah.
0: Vicki, uh, you're doing a good work. Uh, the website, one more time, is meconcern.org. Uh, Vicky Salkin, International Lawyer, Advocacy and Development Manager for Middle East Concern. Thanks so much for taking some time to share your heart with us today on 2020.